Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rock M Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK. Kylie, this is Before the Box Score uh, Express Edition for you. Uh, big news today is that the ACC kind of made it official on what they're going to do. They are going to do a 10 plus 1 model, meaning a 10 conference game schedule plus one non-conference gig. Now, right as that dropped and all the schedules got proliferated and everyone was talking about it, little nugget out of Sports Illustrated, the SEC is leaning, leaning towards a pure 10-game conference schedule. So, BK, where does that leave? Where does that leave us? Which which one would you prefer, and how do these two play together? What's going to happen? So. Let's start with this. If COVID wasn't a thing, I would obviously prefer the plus one, sure. right? Because then you get to watch Mizzou add, I would assume add, a conference game against another Power 5 opponent, probably against the ACC or the Big 12, and that's more fun than not playing that game. So if I get more football and I had my pick of which I would prefer, I would obviously prefer that. Now, that being said, I can understand why that wouldn't be the case for the SEC. It's easier frankly, logistically, to not have that game. The testing protocols don't have to be clarified between the two conferences. You don't have to worry about that travel, even though 
in some cases it's actually closer than traveling within conference. But wh whatever the reason is why they wouldn't want to do that, logistically, I understand. That being said, if the ACC's going with this plus one, I don't know how that's possible if they are not going to have the SEC as one of the options to play against. Like, Georgia is supposed to play Georgia Tech this year. Florida versus mm -hmm. Florida State is supposed to be a yep. game this year. Clemson versus South Carolina. Louisville versus Kentucky. Auburn versus North Carolina. Those should all be on the schedule. You would imagine that if you're one of those teams that I just listed in the ACC, well, you have your Power 5 mm -hmm. foe, your non-con foe, already on your schedule. You don't have to go looking around the country to figure out who it can be and I mean, let's be honest here, there's only so many because the Pac-12 isn't a possibility, the Big Ten isn't a possibility, so now if the SEC is also shutting it down to non-con, it's really just the Big 12 and the ACC that could go up against each other. So, I, I'm i imagining that if the ACC is going this route, they kind of have to know something that we don't, and maybe the SEC ultimately goes this direction as well. But it's a little confusing to me why we got one report earlier today that the ACC is definitely doing this. And then later in the day, the SEC, there was a report that they are looking to not go. I mean, you'd have one. the Big 12 ACC challenge in football, except there's 10 teams in the Big 12 and there's 15 counting Notre Dame in the ACC. So I, I guess, yeah, you, like you said, they're either leaving purposefully leaving five teams out or they know something we don't know. And maybe the leak from the SEC was, I don't know, like a little floater. You know how, <laughs> you know how like our government or brands like to just drop a little nugget and see how the people react? <laughs> and then like, oh, well, that wasn't true. That was just a leak. You know, and then like the official thing comes later. Like that might be what this was with the SEC. Um, see, Nate, with, uh, with my day job, I've been covering negotiations oh, yes, for the last have. three months. <laughs> So I've uh, I've received a crash course in negotiating in sports, basically, <laughs> for the last three months. And let me tell you, I've seen a whole lot of floated mm. ideas out there for this very reason, for a little bit of leverage. So maybe that's what this is. Um, but when I when I look at what is taking place out there right now, it seems to me that the logical next step for the SEC would be whether it be 9 plus 1 or 10 plus 1, whatever the number yep. is, some plus yep. 1 scenario for the SEC to add in one non-con game. You already have a number of your teams that have that came in, like I said. Uh, Mizzou's actually one of very few that does not have that mm -hmm. plus 1 yet. Yeah. Which, you know, in that case, if they couldn't find somebody, you know, I'm sure there's another SEC team who'd step up and play, you know, maybe like a Texas A&M or something like that. So I, I yeah, nine teams in the SEC already have this game against either a Big 12 nine? or ACC opponent scheduled. Jeez, yeah, okay. nine. Well, that would leave five who don't, so well, I don't know. Well, regardless, I, you know, you and, you've talked about the, the opponents that you would like to see, a regional non-conference opponent that you would like Missouri to schedule. I think yours was Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and uh, Kansas State. Was that right? TCU. TCU, that was the, other TCU one. Yeah. was the other one. K State That's already right. has one scheduled, so they That's were right. off the board. TCU, I think, would be fascinating. Now, I don't know, I don't know how it would work or if that would if that would jive or, or whatever. But um, yeah, that you could. I would think it'd be regional, but who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? So we, that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, and now we're kind of getting back into 
you know, as far as this week goes, the the question of whether they should play in the first place is still there. It's still there. And it's because we have sports happening and we're seeing in real time what can happen with professional athletes who are sequestered in a bubble. And the the Miami Marlins have been kind of a, a case study in how one mistake can can really ruin it for everybody. Um I, I again, you know, you talked we talked about this last show, you BK specifically talked about it, but like we it's not that we don't want the season to happen, it's that we don't want the season to happen while people are dying. <laughs> like we want it to be safe. We want it to be a responsible way of having sports. And, you know, even if you are young and healthy and in the, you know, best shape of your life, you know, COVID can sometimes just look past that. You can still get it, you can still spread it to other people. And with the news of the Marlins, you know, whether it was one rogue person doing something stupid or truly sitting on a uh, on a bus waiting for an airplane for two hours, like I don't know how they got it, but they all got it. And these are a group of guys who are supposed to only be in this one sequestered area. So we're we're back at this question, BK. Not that you know we want the season to be canceled, but if we can't even get professionals who are getting paid to play by the rules, how do we get a hundred college kids to play by the rules and not do something stupid? Right. And the other thing is now we're learning more about this virus every day. Right. And in sports specifically, we're learning more about how it impacts sports and how it spreads within a sport. And we got a real first test run with that this week, like you said, with the Marlins and the problem that we're running into. And I'm not going to try to play doctor, but this is just these are the facts is how it spread within the Marlins is the incubation period. And it's it's great to catch the, the positive, right? The problem is that that person can be contagious before they test positive. And so if you don't know before that positive test that that person has the virus, that they're carrying the virus, that they had been previously exposed to the virus, well, then from the moment that they've been exposed to the moment that they test positive, and yes, they can have it in that intermediary part, that's where they can spread it amongst the team. And those are where the problems exist for, for instance, like we're talking locally here with the Mizzou football team. Let's say the backup center was exposed to it on Tuesday and they're tested on Wednesday. And that Wednesday test tests negative for him because it's still in the incubation period. And then they're tested again, let's say on Friday, right? And finally, by Friday, he tests positive, but they don't get those results until Saturday morning. Well, from Tuesday up until Saturday morning, if he had been around his team, anybody that he was exposed to now might have the virus. And on Saturday, when they're supposed to be playing that football game against the other team, they can't play that game because now all of those people that he's been around might have the virus and might spread it to that other team. And that's why this thing is so difficult to get your hands around because it spreads like a wildfire within these teams. And once you have an outbreak, now you have to basically take a week off. And that's why with these schedules that are so condensed in college football, and hopefully this year they're able to add in at least a week or two of bye weeks, this is where things get really difficult. Okay, what happens if Mizzou versus South Carolina, let's just throw a random game in there, gets postponed? Well, does Mizzou just now not play that game? Can, is there an open date between the two where they can make it work? And if they can't, well, then does Mizzou now just go by winning percentage? Is that how you decide who was the winner of the SEC East? If you're going to have a winner of the SEC East, there's 
logistically so many questions that still have to be answered. And all of this is being done on a campus setting where you it literally is impossible to create any sort of bubble for the football players. So that's a long-winded way of saying this is going to be really hard. It's going to be really, really, really hard to be able Honestly, to pull this I'm thing just, off. I'm, I've gotten to the point where I am viewing this college football season not as um, an opportunity for a team to win their division and their conference and make it to the playoff and win the championship and all that stuff. I don't think that's what this season is at all. I think this season is purely play the games to get the bucks and play as many of those games to get as many of those bucks as you can, and then when we are no longer morally able to do this, we shut it down. And I think yeah. that's all this season is going to be. And if that's the case, like, I love me some college football. I love watching it on Saturdays. It's a part of you know my family's tradition. It's part of a lot of communities' tradition. Like, it's a part of our culture. But if we're just churning out a handful of games to prove nothing, why are we playing? Because of the money. Yeah. I mean, I, I said it last two weeks ago now, I guess. Um, and, and it really is that simple. Like I, I know people don't like to hear it, but it's the same reason why baseball is playing right now. It's the same reason why the NHL is playing. It's the same reason why the NBA is playing. It's the same reason why we're seeing any of these sports. It's because the revenue that the football players, the football teams bring in is what funds the entire athletic department for a year, for a calendar year. Everything is funded by these games that we're talking about. And so it's it's gonna be for a lot of fans um, difficult to watch, knowing what is going on in the background. For some fans, they they, they just want to see the football, and I I get I get that entirely too. But it's logistically going to be really difficult to pull this thing off. And so I bring up baseball once again, just because it's the one that has had this this case study of what does it look like when you play and you're not mm-hmm. in a bubble. Because the NBA and the NHL are both in a bubble right now and we haven't seen the NFL start yet um, in any real sense. And with Major League Baseball, they had their first outbreak and they decided, hey, the Marlins might not play 60 yep. games this year. Like it, it might be 55, it might be 57, whatever the number is, we're not worried about that. And the reason why is because they're not playing to crown a champion this year. They're playing to yeah. get the money. They're playing to be able to fund their sport for the following season as much as they possibly can, even if it's 40% of what a typical season would bring in. That's at least better than zero. And I think that's what we're going to see with college football, to your point, Nate, is, yeah, maybe it's 20 30 40% of our typical revenue, but 20 30 40% might get us through a year for most of the stuff that we need as opposed to zero which gets us through nothing and now everybody right. is screwed. And it's going to happen. I mean, the NCAA can't say no because they have no enforcement. The the conference, you know, the conference commissioners aren't going to say no because they have TV contracts they have to honor. And the schools aren't going to say no because it's free labor that they don't have to pay for. So, no one in this process is going to stop it. It is for the it's for the dollars. And I'm okay. I, I understand that. I, I'm not. I understand that. What I'm really thinking is the fallout from this. You know, t- even if we hit the ten games or eleven games or whatever we're going to play, let's say every team hits that, that's still not maximizing the revenue that you thought was going to come in. So now I'm thinking, okay, we have this college football bubble. This it's almost like the internet or the housing market where it's almost grown too big. That bubble might be bursting as far as 
just as, as big as it can get. And it might be bursting in a couple of different ways. It could be bursting with, uh, as far as coaching salaries. I mean, God, Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker got $5.5 million annually for his contract at Michigan State. Ain't no one pay- paying anybody that after this season, probably after the season after that. So you don't, you're not paying your coaches as much. Does that mean you're also like maybe the coaches go, okay, well, I want that in my assistant staff, but I can't pull a Nick Saban and you know have an army of 40 analysts Right, they just do nothing but churn tape and like not really coach, but kind of coach. Like you're probably you know whittling down on your staff, right? So does that mean that you whittle down on like the the sleep pods and the and the and the fountains and the slides that like yes th- th- things are going to change. College football has gotten too big, and we found out that if college football doesn't have it, the bubble, bubble burst. So I'm trying to figure out all the long term implications of this, and I gotta think that coaching contracts are going to be way different going forward than they are right now. Eli Drinkwitz got $4 million per year after coaching one season as the head coach at Appalachian yep. State. That will nope. not happen again. It's, it, it, it just won't. Um, that's going to change. We are going to see, and I've talked about this before, I think, on this podcast, but I covered the Chiefs for a year out in Kansas City whenever I, I was living out there. And, Nate, when I tell you the stark contrast between the facilities that the Chiefs oh, have... And the facilities that Mizzou yeah. football has, it it was legitimately unbelievable to me when I walked into the locker room and I was like, "This stuff is the original locker room that was built here in 1970." <laughs> like, a gold's gym. <laughs> like, it's crazy, man. My high school football team had a locker room that was on the level with what I saw it at the Kansas City Chiefs Stadium. Um, meanwhile, Mizzou has like. First class, unbelievable, state of the art locker rooms that they just built um, within the last calendar year in the South End Zone complex. Uh, you see these new rehab facilities that they've got in there, where they've got like these rehab pools and saunas and whirlpools and all this mm-hmm. stuff that is awesome and it's great and it's state of the art and it helps their athletes maintain the highest level of peak performance while they're in college. And God bless them for it. That's all only possible because they have to spend the money somewhere <laughs> because they're kind of nonprofits, yeah. and so they've got to throw it at something, and they're not paying the players, so they're like, hey, let's keep upgrading these facilities, and so they do, and that's how you end up with the facilities that they have, and it's why NFL players every offseason go back to their colleges <laughs> and they decide to yeah. train at their universities as opposed to with their NFL yeah. facilities because they're better at their college stadiums. Um, that's that stuff's gonna change. It, it's gonna have to because eventually, whether whether people like it or not, and it doesn't much matter if we do or not, college players are going to be paid for something. Uh, eventually, you're gonna see these these coaching salaries, if not decline, maintain where sure. they are now. I think leveling off is gonna be something that we yeah. see, and there's gonna be fewer people on the staff. So all all of the stuff that you said, probably a cutting of certain sports from certain schools. Um, it, it, it's all of that. All of that is going to have to take place because college sports as a business just can't survive the way that they have been mm-hmm. for so long. Yeah. <sighs> it's, it's, it's just all part of it. This is what, you know, a pandemic can do to economies, both, you know, on the federal level and, among, and it was coming either point. way. This just accelerated. It just, it just tipped it over faster. Basically. You're right. And then, you know, who knows if we, player, players do end up getting paid, you know, like not even just NIL, but just actual pay, like that's going to 
dispersed it as well. So there's there's a lot of things, and this is just kind of starting to prick the bubble here. So, um, but you know, hey, you know, this is a Missouri football podcast. We have Missouri football things to talk about. Uh, I previewed another two teams. Um, I, I'm not having fun previewing these two teams. <laughs> the first one was Florida. Um, I, I I I dove into Florida and I came across just being nostalgic uh, for the Will Muschamp years where we always had a chance to beat them, like, <laughs> no matter how good they were. Uh, Will Muschamp always fielded an offense that just never did anything, and you could always hang around and sometimes, you know, throw for 20 yards and win by 30 points. So I really – I just – I missed that, and I'm really upset that uh, Florida's getting good now because Dan Mullen is a hell of a coach. He knows how to uh, groom his quarterbacks. He has great systems. He recruits incredibly well. Not as good as Miami or Florida State, but he recruits very well. Um, he's got a great staff. He's got returning, uh, production pretty much at every level. And, um, yeah, that sucks. I don't like it. Makes me sad. Um, I will give you a little bit of optimism for this game. As we're recording this, it's Wednesday evening. Earlier today, we saw our first college football player opt out of the season. A cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Yeah. I think that's going to be a trend. I don't know how many players will do it. I don't know how widespread it will be. But I will not be surprised if some of the top prospects in the country decide, you know what, it is not worth me playing football this year. I'm going to go ahead and rest on my junior tape or my sophomore tape or whatever that tape is that was their previous season. Mm -hmm. Uh, The NFL knows what I can do. I'm going to go train somewhere for the next six months, and then I will see you for the NFL draft. (laughs) I think that's going to be something that happens a decent amount. Uh, There are certain players on Florida that certainly would fit into that criteria. One in particular is Kyle Pitts, their superstar tight end, um, who would be a matchup nightmare no matter who you are, but certainly for Mizzou as well. Uh, Certain guys like that that are legitimate first-round prospects going into Mm -hmm. next season, I I think we'll see a decent number of them decide to opt out of this college football season. Could be, yeah. You know, or maybe even Kyle Trask. I don't – he had one good year. He probably needs another year of of film just before the NFL takes him. But, um, yeah, that's definitely a possibility. You know, you can look at a Sean Davis in the secondary uh, or even a Ventral Miller uh, in the linebacking core. You know, some guy, C.J. Henderson, maybe – like – you're right. A lot of the most talented teams that have third-year players, so redshirt sophomore and older, a lot of those teams might see some people say exactly what you said. Nah, screw it. I got enough. I'm good. Um, obviously, we can't count on that. And guess what? Elite teams still recruit at an elite level. That's kind of the problem. <laughs> right. The replacements yeah, are still sucks. pretty good. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, experience does count. Experience does count at the college level. Athleticism will get you far, uh, but a good experienced squad can sometimes overcome that. So, uh, God, if Kyle Pitts wants to sit out, oh, power to you, man. Oh, I'd love that. He's a really, really good, good player. A really good really player. Good. And he's like, I don't remember what his exact age is, but I think he's like 19 years old this year. It's crazy, man. He's he's a freak prospect. Kyle Pitts age. Google Go. It's fascinating radio. Uh, doesn't say. Oh. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So he turns twenty this next month, but he's he's super okay, young. So he, he's currently nineteen. He will be a twenty-year-old. Old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's still very young. <sighs> he will enter the NFL, and like when he's playing his first game, he will have just turned Boom. twenty-one. 
which is insanity God. for the kind of prospect yeah. that he is. Yeah, it's he's going to be a fun player in the league. Well, Florida is not going to be a fun team to play. I think it's going to be them, them no. and Georgia. In, in, a, in a normal year, it would be them and Georgia uh, for the for the SEC East. Now, whether both Florida and Georgia had their full rosters, or if we even have divisions in the first place, is up in the air. But um, yeah, you know, we we'll always have uh, that magical 2014 year. Uh, where Matty Mock was – the entire offense was garbage, and we won by 30. Uh, we'll always have 2013, where we just ran their asses over. Uh, and what was the other one? 2018, when we went down to the swamp um, and just beat the heck out of them. That was always, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but it's not going to happen this year, I don't think. So, that's okay. Uh, I would be willing to go ahead and go out on the limb and say, I, I think Florida's yeah, going to win that so one. That's okay. That's okay. Um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe Drinkwitz pulls an upset. You know, maybe there's enough COVID cases and enough guys sitting out in Florida that Drinkwitz pulls it up. Who knows? But uh, yeah, let's just let's just count that as a loss and keep going. Uh, the next team who should be on the schedule, who might not be on the schedule, but is regional, so maybe is still on the schedule, uh, is sorry, the Louisiana University at Lafayette. Um, I found that out on Twitter that it's not Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, my apologies, Rage and Cajuns. But um, also, you've had like 17 different iterations of your name. Pick one. Pick one and just stick with it. Make it easy for everybody. Um, but yes, Louisiana, the Rage and Cajuns. Uh, you remember back in, gosh, this was right after Thanksgiving when you and I and Sam talked about who was going to be replacing Barry Odom. And I was thumping the desk for Billy Napier. You remember that? Remember that conversation? I vividly remember that conversation. Yes. I'm I'm very happy with with the coach that we got. I love what he's doing so far. Um but not knowing anything long term, I still would have leaned Billy Napier. And I'm sorry, Eli, please coach my team to success. Uh but Billy Napier, <laughs> I, I think I probably put way too much louding on on this kid uh, during the 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 piece because I think he might be the next Urban Meyer. Am I crazy? Well, I mean, he's the next Alabama football coach. So I'm sure <laughs> they go. they think so too. Everything you read, I feel like is it basically says like, "Hey, future Alabama football coach Billy Napier." Like that that's that that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, he was on Saban's staff multiple times. Uh, he was an analyst. Uh, he was a position coach. Never was a coordinator, but you know he he knows the saving method, and uh, it'll either be him at Alabama or him replacing Dabo at Clemson yeah. when Dabo becomes the coach at okay, Alabama. Okay, sidebar. You really think that's going to happen? What? I mean, Dabo's got a sweetheart deal at Clemson. Why would he leave that for Alabama other than just I, bucks? Man. Home is where the heart is, right? Yeah. And at a certain point, maybe maybe it is just nostalgia. Um, not all moves make sense. True. And emotions don't always make sense, logically speaking, because you're right. With what he's doing at Clemson, like he is going to be the greatest coach in the history of Clemson yeah. football. Yeah. Full stop. At Alabama, it's going to be damn near impossible to be that. Like you've got two coaches that you're going to try to live up to there. It's, it's a different, it's a totally different deal. Um, and if you finish second at Alabama, it is a super disappointing year. Whereas if you finish second at Clemson, 
Uh, that was pretty darn good, Dabo. <laughs> Not too shabby out there. <laughs> so I I don't think he should, but I mean, like I said, sometimes those emotions could overcome you, and I I wouldn't be stunned by. Or hey, it. maybe he gets bored winning national championship after national yeah, sure. championship at Clemson, and goes, I wonder if I can do it at Alabama. Like that's not that's not like a huge challenge, but it's a different one. So, um, man, I don't know. I also, if I were Dabo, number one, I wouldn't want to leave. But number two, I wouldn't want to follow Nick Saban. Like, get another guy in there first. Yeah, you never want to be the guy that follows the yeah. guy. You want to be the guy that follows the guy yeah. that followed the yeah. guy. That That's why what we're seeing right now with drink makes so much sense, right? Uh, because being Barry Odom was never going cool, to be yeah. easy. You were following the mm-hmm. guy at Mizzou. Meanwhile, drink is following the guy that failed yeah. after the guy. That's true. Failed in quotes because I know you disagree. With <laughs> Barry Odom's going to be a great coach. He was just not going to be at Missouri, and that's very upsetting. That, that's that's very a fair upsetting. point. But um, that's for next week's preview. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Billy Napier is awesome, and he's got a really good staff around him. And this is this is crazy to me. I knew uh, Lafayette was pretty good offense, uh, and they were they were elite, 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 sixth in the nation. And the rushing attack. They got a quarterback in Levi Lewis who can run just as well as he throws. They got two of their three-headed running back coming back in Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis. And like the passing game is like fine, but that offensive line was dynamite. Their playmakers could get outside and bust it, and it was just you couldn't stop them. And whether it was standard downs, you know, first and f- or second and five, third and three, or even your passing downs where it's like second and long, third and long, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Their running backs were averaging five yards after getting the five yards like it is crazy how good these guys were um now that again they went up against some belt teams okay the one sec team they did go against mississippi state they lost by 10 but that was the first game of the year before they had all their pieces in place i just this is a trap game no matter how you look at it and missouri i think if they play this will be a very trendy pick for an upset i are we sure it would even be an upset like I, I wouldn't be stunned if that's a pretty close well, it could line. Could be. Could be. Depends on what they did. You know? Like, I, I think public perception-wise, for your casual fan, it would absolutely be viewed as yeah. an upset, right? Because it's Louisiana playing against Mizzou. Uh, I don't know if, like, in Vegas, there will be a significant line on this one. We'll see. And like you said, I I would bet on this game not yeah. happening. Um, but if it did happen, I, I would be very interested to see like today, the look ahead lines, I would be very interested to see what that line would look like in Vegas today. Levi Lewis's numbers are yeah. insane, dude. Like the, the quarterback, the, he's, he's the quarterback for Louisiana, 3000 yards, 26 touchdowns and four yep. interceptions. Like the efficiency there is just ridiculous. And he was only sacked on 4% yeah, of his drop and he's still averaging 7.4 yards per attempt. You know, like, yeah, you might say, oh, those are just dump-offs. 7.4 yards per attempt? Over 15 cents? Yeah, it's perfectly that's, that's acceptable. Awesome. I mean, it's, it's no Joe yeah, Burrow, no. but like that's that's Joe Burrow. So, like, he is very, very, very good, and he is a year older. I would take that off of any of them as a quarterback oh, this year. Like, whoever you yeah. put out there, if they could get any, even remotely approaching those mm-hmm. numbers – Mizzou's going to be much better oh, yeah. than we think. Yeah, so it they are dangerous team. The only way I see this game staying is because it would be regional, and I know the Sun Belt 
so as as of now, is adhering to all of the testing protocols that that the SEC would want. So this might be the game that sticks. And oh my God, this is like the one. Game. <laughs> this and BYU are like the games I don't want to happen this year. Um, but then again, I mean, no one should be judging anybody's on-field product this year um, at all, just because of all the wonkiness that's going to happen. But still, just from a public-facing standpoint and the tweets that go out with the it just means more with some SEC team losing to a G5 team, like just get that junk out. <laughs> like, don't cancel this game and let's move on to like, yeah. I'd rather play A&M, please. I'd rather just play them. Well, I think that's definitely going to happen, uh, playing A&M for Mizzou this year. But I, if they end up going with a plus one, like just give me one of the Big 12 teams. Give me give me an ACC team, whoever it may be. I, I'm into that more than playing L- yeah. Louisiana. I just I, I don't want that. I don't need that on, don't, on our schedule. Yeah, don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I did have a – I had a kind of random weird thought um, – the other night, and I forget what I was, I forget what it was, but like, there is a good chance that there are no divisions to be won, right? Where we just go 10, 11 games, whatever it is, play your schedule, and then we'll maybe play a championship game. And who knows if there's even going to be a championship sure. game? I don't know. I don't know if that's stipulated in, in TV contracts. I don't know if they have to have it. Um, Oh, it's big it money, man. Those things are big it money. So I, if, if they can have them, they will 100%. Yeah. I just – I've been thinking so much about the fallout, you know, with, with the bubble and everything. But, like, think about – God, think about meetings, thinking about travel. Like, you're not going to put your two quarterbacks in the same room, right? You're going to, like, pair up your starting quarterback with, like, a you know backup offensive lineman, you know? So if, if one of them has them, it doesn't get the right. whole the whole room sick, uh, like the quarterback room and the receiver room. Well, Bruce Arians, the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, had mentioned this earlier in the offseason, and people kind of laughed at it, but now it's become a, becoming a legitimate thought. He talked about having a quarantine quarterback, so like they would sign a third-string oh, quarterback that they would literally have as a guy that they just place into quarantine. He would not come to practice. He would just, for the entire season, be in quarantine. He's basically like if you were a nurse and sometimes you're on call – the quarterback would be on call if ever wow. needed, but his job for the year, the reason that he is paid is to sit at home, to work out on his mm-hmm. own without going into any public spaces, and he is compensated to be prepared just in case he was called. Well, I was th- what if you have a quarantine team? You've got, you've got <laughs> 120 kids on a roster. What if you you can you can do it one of two ways? Number one, you can like put all your scholarship starters on one, and then all your backups and walk-ons on the other, or you can proliferate both. I don't know how you'd want to do it, but like you have the two separate teams practice on their own, meetings on their own. You know, get your assistant head coach or your deputy head coach to coach the second team, um, and split them up that way, so that if one you know one unit has an outbreak, you got a backup offensive line or a backup linebacking core, something like that. I think you'd have to do it like the starters and then the backups because, I mean, you know this as well as anybody. Those offensive linemen, for instance, like the, the cohesion yeah. along that unit. It's paramount. It, it's something where if you don't practice together, yeah. it's it would be almost impossible to be able to play together in a game. So I could see them doing something like that. I mean, it might be just as simple as they split up the field whenever they're practicing, yeah. right? Instead of having the entire team take up the full 100 yards like they normally do and have like the defensive lineman in one corner, the offensive line in one corner. Uh, now, instead of doing that, split at the 50, 
the ones and twos are on one side, the backups are on the other, and you split it up amongst those. So, yeah, it's it's going to be, I mean, all of this is, if you're a head coach right now, you are as much a crisis manager as you are a football coach. <laughs> yeah. And I know that might sound kind of strange to some of our audience, but it's true. Yeah. Like you, you are you are about to embark on a journey unlike anything you have ever done in your life. You are woefully underprepared to do so. You do not have the resources to do so. Um, and hopefully you're listening to the right people. And it's it's going to be hard, man. It's going to be really, really difficult to be able to do this. And I've said this a number of times, but it's because it's true. And we have seen it in Major League Baseball, how how quickly these things can change. Because a week ago, if you had asked me, is this baseball season going to work? I would have said, yeah, I, I think this is actually going to work. Because they had just had, had like two and a half weeks of all negative mm -hmm. tests among the entire yeah. league. And then suddenly with one team, it puts everything at risk. So now we're talking about college kids on college campuses. And I just, I, it's going to be up to those kids that are unpaid to not go out on a Thursday night at Fieldhouse or Harpo's <laughs> or wherever your favorite yep. bar is. And I just, maybe most of them do it, but if one of them does, eh, yeah. it's yeah. over. You know, it's over. Let's end on a fun thought. I have a fun thought. Okay. Let's say, yeah, let's say we get rid of divisions and the championship is just the two best teams and you play your championships, you crown your champions. Okay, cool. For the playoff, and again, this is assuming that there is a playoff. It is a money maker, but I, you know, whatever. Let's let's do something a little bit fun. Let's have the coach who wins their respective conference then draft a team of all stars from that conference and take that team into the playoff. One of the biggest things that I've been really upset with, and of course I should be upset because no one's having any fun right now, but no one's getting loose and goofy with the rules with the scheduling or anything like that. No one's taking a lot of liberties to just like really explore all the weirdness that you can do. Like we talked about with regional scheduling. No one's trying to you know stray away and just say, this year's weird. Let's do some different stuff that can still be safe. I think it'd be awesome if we took like a, basically, you know, your, your all American SEC, all SEC, all ACC, all PAC 12, construct those teams, have the coach that won the conference coach them and then put them in the playoff just to see what happens. I think that'd be a lot of fun. It I'm for it. I'm here for it, man. I, I'm here for anything. Like, baseball has completely thrown the rules to the wayside. Football is going to look different than anything we've ever seen before. Basketball is playing in a bubble down in Orlando. Hockey has no fans in the stands, and they're in Edmonton and Toronto. Soccer just played a random tournament that made no Wait, sense to did? anybody, but they had it because why not? Yeah, <laughs> the MLS just went down to Orlando for an MLS's back <laughs> tournament that... I. I don't think really mattered no, in the grand scheme no. of things, but whatever. Um, like all, all of this is just yeah. fake, right? It's just a cash grab for all of this. So if you want to play some all-star games, go for it. <laughs> um, I saw the ACC in their return to play stuff that they announced mm -hmm. today, right? For the, the same thing that they announced all of the, um, the conference plus one in. They also basically laid out how they're going to pick their bowl, bowl teams. I didn't even think we were going to play yeah, bowl games no this kidding. year. <laughs> like, the concept of 
having these kids go to a city and then like play in a bowl game together was just no. the last thing that was on the back <laughs> of my mind. So to see that, it was like stunning yeah. to me. So if, if, if that's on their mind, like, why not? Let's go ahead and I would rather see these all-star games than a yeah. bowl game this yeah. year. Let's put and it like, that you way. can, if you want to do it, like every team needs to have a representative, like uh, what baseball used to do that for their all-star games. So like you could mm-hmm. get a lot of, you could have a lot of fun with it. And I just, I don't know. Everything else sucks. So why not have some fun? Uh, that's kind of how I view it, but I don't know. Any other stray thoughts for our listenership, BK? Let's do one more thing sure. really quickly, um, and we'll get out of here. I did talk with Eli Drinkwitz yes. last week on our radio show, um, and I know one thing that you wanted me to ask him was about the freshmen and how this has changed the development for freshmen. So I made sure to do so. And I asked him about it, and he, like, disagreed with the premise because I, I said I, I would imagine that this is going to be really difficult, right? It's it's always tough to transition to the college game, and these kids are coming in without any summer, without any spring for the ones that would have otherwise been able to get on campus in the spring. Um, they, they have no football until whenever the case is that we're actually able to have practice. And so I, I just assume these guys are going to be way mm-hmm. behind. And he came at it from the other angle. He said, actually, I I disagree because nobody had spring ball. And so they're all starting on the exact same footing as anybody else, talking about the freshmen. Um, He then went on to say, quote, I think this year, as much as anything, it's going to come down to natural talent and God-given ability to play the game at a high level. As a coaching staff, we have to make sure we don't slow down our players with the scheme so we allow our guys to play as fast as they can. Whether it's freshmen or seniors, there are no sacred cows. They're all ready to play. They're going to compete and start fresh. Now, that last line is basically coach speak. You hear that from everybody. But the idea that it's going to come down to God-given ability to play the game at a high level this year, I do think is kind Mm -hmm. of interesting. Um, And you always see it with a new coach where they don't really lean on the previous year's film as much as an old coaching Mm -hmm. staff would. They don't have the priors, right? And I wonder if that's going to be the case here at Mizzou as well. And one guy that he brought up, Eli Drinkwitz did, unprompted, uh, was a guy that we've talked about previously in Elijah Young, the freshman running back that everybody that is a Mizzou fan is really Mm -hmm. high on. Um, I think he's going to be the number three running back this year behind Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty. And that's really exciting. And if he can kind of take that role and run with Uh. it, both (laughs) metaphorically and... Um, and literally I, he he's going to be your starting running back next year most likely so I just I find it interesting that he totally disagreed with the premise and thinks that freshmen are actually uh, further along this year than they would be in past years or at least starting on the same yeah. footing as upperclassmen mm-hmm. um, I wonder what that means for Rakestraw I wonder what that means for a lot of these guys that are coming in that are, are freshmen that are very talented yeah. players and I mean especially if you're thinking this from a practice standpoint like how how exotic are you going to get on offense or defense if you know you, there's li- limited practices or contact or whatever? Like, I th- I think you're going to see a lot of base defense. I think you're going to see a lot of base offense, and yeah, get your best athletes out there. Get the guys out there who grasp that. If that's an upperclassman, sure. If it's a freshman, go ahead, knock yourself out. I do think that you know of all the guys on this roster, you kind of have to think that Drinkwitz and his staff are going to lean towards the kids they just recruited, right? So, you know, whether whether that's a good or bad, like, they're going to give everybody a fair shot. But, you know, especially with Rakestraw, like, the, the amount of uh, competition that they had to beat out to get that kid. Like, 
put them on the field. Let's see what happens. Like, get yep. it done. So I'm glad to hear that. That that makes me very happy, very confident uh, that he at least knows what he's doing and knows how to deploy a good team anyway. And it's not like they have dozens of cornerbacks yeah. in front of them that you're like, oh, no, you've got to get that dude yeah. on the field. Like, it's going to be a developmental year for everybody. So if that means leaning a little bit more towards the younger guys, and this is something Barry Odom did early yeah. on as well. And kept doing um, over and over again. Lean, lean, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that that yeah. was part of the problem. And there was, the development yeah. wasn't there either. It just they, they started out and you got really excited about them, and then they just yeah. plateaued. And that's the player that they were for the next three years. Um, but if, if they can get some of these guys to come in and be contributors right away and the coaching staff is able to, like you said, simplify things, not just to the total bare bones minimum, but to a place where the guys can understand all of the mm-hmm. concepts that they're asked to run and then hopefully add on a little bit more as you go along. Um, I, I think that's a good thing. So it's something I would watch if I'm a Mizzou fan as we go along here is to see when practice, if practice does start, where the freshmen are on the two deep, both early in in fall camp and then where they end at the end of fall camp, because I think there might be more on there than and we and not because of COVID stuff. Like if Nick Bolton leaves because of that, then it's like okay, right. whoever stepped up is stepping up. But like, yeah, which incumbents get beat out by freshmen? That is what you want to watch, and that's that's very exciting. So very good. I'm so jealous you got to talk to him again. He's just he's a lot of fun to hear, dude. It's it is really cool. I got to be honest with you. Um, he is an excellent interview every single time that we mm-hmm. have him on. He is fun to talk with. He is a super charismatic, really relatable guy. We talked with him about grilling. <laughs> um, we talked to him about going to the like right, the Ozarks. Yeah. Um, we talked to him about throwing out the first pitch for the Cardinals. Like just he gave a pep talk for all Cardinals fans because this was right before opening day. I mean, it's just. It's it's such a a hard right turn from where they were with Barry Odom and Gary Pinkle. Not to say anything bad about those guys, but it's just mm-hmm. different, right? You've got a different guy that is really selling the program, and it's a lot of fun to talk with them. So um, it's it's been good to have that, and I do think it helps. Like people, whenever we have Eli Drinkwitz on, want us to have him on more often, <laughs> yeah, because he's really fun to listen yeah. to. And if you're the head coach of the Mizzou football program that wants to get more inroads into St. Louis, being on the air in St. Louis ain't a bad thing. I so um, I, I think that's a really nice thing to have. Well, I hope he comes back and uh, hope he's doing well. Hope you all are doing well. My voice is cutting out, so we're going to leave a little bit early. But, hey, you still got 45 minutes of us, so that's pretty dang good. Anyway, that's going to be our show. Uh, we appreciate any of your downloads and your subscriptions, so please leave a comment or rate us. We love all types of feedback. Uh, you can follow us on the Twitter machine. I am at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. Uh, of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation. Also, listen to BK on the radio, 101 ESPN, uh, 11, crap, 11 to 2. 11 to 11 2. 11 That's it, right. So, anyway, we appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll do better next time. I promise. Until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U.